It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, hey, it's Friday morning, the weekend just about here. It is the 25th day for November for 2022. And yesterday I did mention the Reserve Bank in New Zealand delivered an interest rate rise of 75 basis points and it signalled more is to come to curb rampant inflation. Now this could include lifting the cash rate to 5.5% by September of next year and homeowners can expect mortgage rates of 8%. And Rich Harvey, what did you make of it? Well, that's quite a dramatic rise going to 0.75 and taking the cash rate in New Zealand to 4.25. In fact, I believe the New Zealand Reserve Bank was debating between 0.75 and a 1% hike. I mean, that's a really dramatic hike, I've got to say, and that's going to really send shockwaves right through the mortgage industry and for all the mortgage holders. So I think if anyone is out there thinking about taking on a lot of debt, do be careful. And uh, I think it's going to really stop a lot of buyers in their tracks and potentially it'll result in some great buying opportunities in the New Zealand market. So again, very different market to Australia. I don't believe our cash rate will rise anywhere near that level. New Zealand's running a different race to Australia, but uh, quite a dramatic rise. We talk with leading property commentators with analysis, predictions, forecasts, and what's trending every morning from 6.30. It's the main centre forecast with PRD. Selling smarter every day. And around Australia, let's check on your weather on this Friday morning. And first we go to Sydney. Good morning to you. Expecting mostly fine and blue skies today. A high of 25 degrees. In Melbourne, partly cloudy but dry. 21 is your forecast top. In Brisbane, expecting the sunshine with 31. And in Perth today, also dry, fine conditions and a high of 24 degrees. It's your weekday real estate breakfast with news, interviews and predictions every morning on the Real Estate Podcast. Let's Talk Property, a podcast series with Rich Harvey. Well, it can't be denied that the property sector has a number of people who claim to have an insider understanding about investing. And there are many Australians who, based on a property purchase, believe that they have a comprehensive understanding of how to make money via real estate. And everyone has an opinion when it comes to property. But understanding the details details around an investment is a little bit more challenging and you're probably best positioned if you've been involved in multiple property deals over a long period of time to truly comprehend the full benefits and the risks. So what can Australian property investments achieve and why is it a superior asset class? Well, Rich Harvey is here to dive into this more. Of course, the CEO of propertybuyer.com.au. And perhaps, Rich, uh, the first place we could start is to explain to listeners the basic difference between rental yields and capital gains. 
Yeah, great to be with you again, Craig. Yeah, look, I think a lot of people just start with the basics and uh, it's really important to understand the concept of rental return or the yield. That's simply the rent that you collect from leasing out your property investment. So the rental return is described as a yield, which is expressed as a percentage. So what it means is you times the weekly rental income by 52 and divide it by the purchase price of a property. So simplest way to give you an example, if you look at a property valued at $750,000 and it rents for $500 a week, that's gonna deliver $26,000 a year in rental income. So the yield or the cash flow that that spins off is three and a half percent. So that's the first part of it. So the second kind of return is capital gains and where the real wealth is made. So capital gain refers to how much your investment property moves in capital value over a given period of time. So again, let's take that $750,000 property. And if it's valued at $795 a year later, that's going to reflect a $45,000 increase or a 6% capital gain. So if you look at the two types of gains, the 3.5% yield and the 6% capital gain, you add the two together, then your total return from that investment is 9.5%. So not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. And of course, Rich, plenty of people invest in property for all sorts of reasons. Why do you especially like property investment as an asset class? And what advantages, I guess, does it offer you? Oh, for lots of reasons, I love property, Craig. I just find property really fascinating generally. I mean, we all need bricks and mortar to to live in. We need a roof over our head. So it's a very stable asset class. It doesn't tend to have the wild fluctuations that you get in the share market. So it's less volatile. Yes, the market goes up and down, but doesn't drop nearly as much as the share market. And I think we've talked about in previous podcasts that the value of of the gains far outweighs the, the market downturns. But I guess, Craig, the most significant reason that I love property investment is this number one thing, and that's leverage. I can leverage and use OPM, other people's money, bank finance, at a much greater efficient rate than I can in any other kind of investment class. So even with rising interest rates, like we talked about before, you can still borrow effectively to boost your return. So let me give you an example again, the best way to describe it. Wish I had a chalkboard here to describe this, Craig, a bit difficult on a podcast, right? But uh, still, it's, it's good to describe the numbers. So let's say we could borrow a loan to value ratio, which is the LVR of 95% on our $750,000 property. So you'd be borrowing $712,500 from a bank at an interest rate of say 4%. I know that rate's going to go up, but that means you'll be paying $28,500 a year in interest. But here's the cool thing. Even if you borrow that $712,000, you're earning 9.5% in total returns or basically you're going to be earning $67,688 in in total return. So you're still ahead by $31,188 a year. So it's knowing your numbers here on how to leverage safely to make sure you're going to make both good capital gain and good cash flow to help hold the property. So the really smart investors know how to leverage their funds wisely to really accelerate their wealth. Yeah, and definitely it's all about knowing those numbers. So maybe explain to people a little bit more about how compounding works. 
Well, it's been said by Albert Einstein that compounding is the seventh wonder of the world. When you really look at a spreadsheet, and this is where I get super excited being an ex-economist and looking at how the numbers really take off after about year 15 plus, the, the power of compounding is just amazing. So it simply describes the way in which investors earn money on money. So what it means is you get a capital gain each year, but then you add that capital gain to the value of the property, and then you get even further gain on the gains you've already had. So for example, your $750,000 property increases at 6%. That doesn't mean you make 6% of 750 on 750 forever, but you're actually making 6% on 795,000 in year two. And then move to year three, you'll be making 6% on $893,000. So you can see that it goes up. So by extrapolating this out to say year 10, that $750,000 property will be get, will be worth, drum roll, $1,343,000. So you've made a capital gain of over $593,000. So when you look at the percentage increase over that 10-year period, it's 79%. If you've only put in 5% as a deposit, that's an incredible cash-on-cash cash return. And that's one of the ways that I analyze my property investing is I look at what I'm putting in out of my own pocket, my cash, versus what I'm going to get back over a 10-year period. So I absolutely love compounding. And I think that's where a lot of investors get impatient, Craig, is they go, oh, look, by year two, I should have made half a million dollars. Well, no, you're not going to make that much on a $750,000 property. You've just got to be patient and let compounding do its thing. But I can tell you from my own experience, holding properties for more than 10 years and even 15 years or 20 years, it's absolutely remarkable how much they've gone up in value. Mm, yeah, the power of buying and holding is certainly illustrated with what you've said right there. And there are a multitude, too, of varying property strategies that people do use. Perhaps give one strategy that you use to boost your overall return on your property investments. Well, you can't go past renovations and adding value, Craig. That's one of the best ways to, to increase both the yield and the capital gain on your property. So as a landlord, you can do some pretty simple things like change the carpets, polish the floorboards, repaint, put in new light fittings. Even new doorknobs or handles in the kitchen can just make a, a dramatic impact. But you do have to be careful about overcapitalizing. And again, we've spent plenty of time on other podcasts talking about the dangers of overcapitalizing. But you should be able to get a return of at least $2 for every $1 you spend on a renovation. Like we're putting an air conditioner in one of our properties this week because summer's coming and we know the tenant will be a lot happier. It'll probably cost about $2,000, but we know we're going to keep that tenant for a much longer period of time by creating a much better environment for that tenant to live in. And if things need repairing, don't delay, get onto them straight straight away. To really add significant value to a property, putting on an extra bedroom or an extra story, adding a granny flat out the back, that's a fantastic way to really dramatically boost your rental income and also increase the value. In fact, I just got approval this week for our granny flat that we're starting construction on in a couple of weeks' time. So can't wait to see how that's going to work out. Yeah, so it's really important that you do spend some time considering what kind of value add you can deliver on the property, and you will definitely see an increase in rental income as well. Okay, so looking at a portfolio, what are the biggest challenges most people face when they want to invest in property and build themselves a big portfolio? 
Oh, look, I think a lot of people simply get overwhelmed, Craig, about knowing where to start. They also have a lack of strategy. They just don't know what kind of property to invest in. They don't know where to invest. They read a couple of articles and they end up getting really confused. And so because of that confusion, they end up doing nothing. And that's the worst thing you can do. Other times, it's really a lack of trust. You know, they've talked to a couple of people and they think, oh, I'm not sure if he's a spruker or I can trust that advisor. And I think one of the biggest challenges for people is just finances. They think they can't afford to buy an investment property. They're scared of debt and they go, oh gosh, how am I going to afford to buy a $750,000 property? Look, I've still got a $400,000 loan. How can I afford to do it? It's actually just a matter of talking to a mortgage broker, have a look at your numbers, work out your income, work out how you can make some savings. And you might find that an investment property might only cost you $100 a week or if you can find a positive cash flow property, it'll be putting $100 a week back in your pocket. So there's all sorts of ways to, to get going. And it's really having some momentum and getting some drive and, and just getting on with starting the investment portfolio. Yeah, momentum and drive. That is what property is about. And just to finish up this morning, why do you think many investors get stuck? And boy, so many of them do on just one property investment. Let me give you three reasons that come straight to my mind, Craig. I think firstly, a lot of investors don't understand the power of leverage and using bank finance wisely. So on that $750,000 property, in two years time, it's gone up to $890,000. Now you've got available equity there that you could potentially draw down to then use that as a deposit to go again. And it's just a matter of talking to your broker, working out your serviceability and going again. But that actually comes to my second point, and that's the lack of serviceability. The banks are really getting tight uh, or have got tighter over the years on serviceability ratios. So it could simply be a lack of cash flow. And I think the third reason is that people have bought the wrong property for their first investment. They've bought a dud property that's either not increased in value significantly or it's not returning an appropriate cash flow. And that really hampers you from moving forward. Now, it could be a case of just being patient and letting that property do its thing, or you've actually bought a dud, like you bought a one bedroom apartment where there's just hundreds and hundreds of the same thing in the same area, where it's really never gonna move in value. And it could be time to offload that sort of property. But before you do anything, you do need to get professional advice and understand what strategies you have and what's the best outcome for you and your personal situation. All right. Well, good on you, Rich Harvey. Uh, Good luck with that air conditioning instalment and enjoy your weekend. And we'll catch you back next Friday. Thanks, Craig. Pleasure. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.